15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby Blanco here with you in 2020. First podcast of the new year. Of course, the Mass and All Access Podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We are coming to you live on the Mass and Orioles Facebook and Twitter pages, of mm-hmm. course, on YouTube as well. And you can listen to the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever you can get podcasts, you can get the Mass and All Access podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe very much, please. That actually does matter. And getting uh, five stars and reviews are very much appreciated. So we appreciate you listening. Bobby, um, the holidays are over. Yes. And the holidays, of course, meant that we had to listen to all of the holiday songs, yep. including, I think, the most pertinent for our geographical area, which is Crabs for Christmas, <laughs> a Baltimore classic. You and I just had to school the youngins in the room, Hannah Broder and Amy Jennings, on uh, the song Crabs for Christmas because they did not know. To be fair, Hannah Broder is a new Baltimore resident, so this is her first holiday season in Baltimore. So yep. she can, uh, I'm surprised Amy hasn't heard it, but... She's from Hagerstown. Well, they both are from the area. I'm surprised neither of them heard it, but I give uh, Hannah a pass because she (laughs) just moved to the area. Yeah. Um, It is just an instant classic. Got to hear it once a time a year. Did you have crabs? Have you ever had crabs for Christmas? Never in my life. Well, I didn't have... I'm fairly new to the area as well. I only moved here three years ago. I guess that's true. You go home Philly, so they don't really do crabs. They don't do crabs, um, which some people in Baltimore were surprised about when I told them. I was like, yeah, this this is... Crabs is a a Maryland thing. It's It's not just a you know, an East coast thing. So yeah, no, I've never done crabs for Christmas. Have you? No, but we do, we have done, uh, oysters. We've like shucked our own oysters from, from the Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Really fun. Really delicious too. I mean, at this point, if you're getting crabs, you're probably not getting them from, they're not from Maryland. Yeah. They're probably from like New Orleans. Yeah. Warmer waters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it'd be nice to have. I mean, that'd be interesting just to do like, like unique, you know, it's like, what are you doing for crabs? I mean, for Christmas, Ah, crab feast. What? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Give it a shot. It's regional. Yeah, it's exactly. Holidays. Let's celebrate. You know, kind of indulge a little bit, get some crabs. Well, and every time I have friends visit me from out of town, I always take them to get crabs. So I had crabs probably seven times over the summer. Yeah. Which I can't. That's more I than mean, me. I, I, I love crabs. Yeah. I mean, I, hey, I have them. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so crabs for Christmas. Let us know if you got crabs for Christmas. Hopefully not. Who did? Let us know. Who had crab? Who actually got crabs for Christmas? Is that an actual thing? Or is this because again? I mean, the guy in the song sounds pretty crazy. No, I don't. (laughs) But if you're getting crabs for Christmas, again, they're not probably from Maryland. Wouldn't that be the whole point? Is to like celebrate Maryland to get the actual local crabs. But if you actually got crabs for Christmas or any holiday festivities, please let us know. I'm interested to see who actually did it and how you got it. Do you boil them yourself? Do you uh, you go go out for crabs? You go out. Do you get a restaurant to do it for you and pick them up, take them home? How how is how does that process work? Is that or is it all just kind of a bit? Go to a good old Costas Inn. Get Costas some, Inn, uh, yeah. Quality crabs there. They got crabs year-round. Well, the Orioles, they went and got coal for Christmas. Oh, yeah. But they were so nice this year. They were good this year, but they went and got uh, Cole Stewart uh, for that, Christmas. Yeah, yeah Cole, <laughs> different Cole. spelling, K-O-H-L. 
They went and got Cole Stewart, 25-year-old right-handed pitcher. We're going to talk about him on the podcast, what his addition to the rotation means. And then, of course, we're going to look at the new decade. It is a brand-new decade um, and a new one for the Orioles. What could they do in the next decade that um, could really, you know, make some predictions for the decade? Or is the decade going to end a lot differently than it's starting? Um, and look around baseball and make some predictions for the, the 2020s, which sounds fake. Sounds so fake. It, it's it's like that John Mulaney big, like 2029. Yeah. That's not a real year. It's not a real year. I'm going to be drinking moon juice. President um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You, you know the whole bit. I do. Um, so let's talk about Cole Stewart. Um, he signed a major league deal with the, the Orioles. Of course, uh, Michael Elias said at winter meetings that the two positions they were really looking to upgrade would be the starting rotation and a veteran middle infielder. So they have not yet gotten that veteran middle veteran middle infielder, but they do check off the one box, at least for now. Now, it, it, despite the fact that Cole Stewart signed a major league deal, I don't think it's any guarantee that he makes um, even the, the roster out of spring training. I think it gives him a leg up um, over some of the competition, um, but he comes to the team with some major league experience. Um, he's appeared in 17 major league games, 2018 and 19, both with the Twins. Um, and he's done the bulk of his quality work at AAA. Um, he made twenty uh, appeared in 20 games last year in AAA and an ERA north of five, um, but was very good in 2018. I think the Orioles are banking on the 2018 Cole Stewart coming out more than the 2019 Cole Stewart. Yeah, I haven't dived too much into his um, history with the Twins. There's a huge jump in ERA from 2018 to 2019. Um, he pitched way more which is interesting because he also pitched uh about 11 more innings um in the first year than than last year so uh haven't really dived up is there an injury thing was it going back and forth between um starting rotation and the bullpen was that throwing him off was it going up and down to the minors a whole bunch of factors that could have played into why 2019 didn't work as well as his first season in 2018 with the twins but look this is a former first round pick a fourth overall by the twins in 2013 he's a uh, an arm that is obviously valued by somebody. Um, and this is kind of what Michael Elias has said they were going to do. He, I'm assuming he has plenty of his options left. Um, you know, it is a major league deal because, you know, suffice to say, it's it's no secret that the Orioles need rotation help. They don't have a full rotation and pitchers and catchers report in basically a month and a half. Um, so they just need arms. And, yeah, it's kind of be besides and with the trading of, of Dylan Bundy, obviously – you know, it's going to be kind of besides John Means, it's going to be an open competition down in Sarasota for that starting rotation that we're going to touch on in a little bit. Other guys who could be fighting for rotation spots come spring training. Um, this is just another name added to the mix. And, and like you said, uh, Michael Aston made no secret about it. This is their this was their goal this offseason. They need to add rotation arms. They want to also add in the minor league depth system, particularly with pitchers. Um, so this is just another arm throwing in the midst. Major league deal because he has major league experience. You figure he can probably get some innings out of him and some a good amount of starts. I you know, obviously health plays in a factor into that too and production, but it's just another name throwing in the mix. Um, and hopefully he sticks. And you again, like you said, you get that 2018 version as opposed to last season where he kind of fell off a little bit, and yeah. which played into the fact about made him available this uh, off season. Right. It's a it's another buy low candidate. He's still 25. And when you got you have a guy that you know had at least one year, they're hoping maybe they can figure out what went right in that 2018 season that they can um, exploit and use more of in 2020, um, as opposed to the 20 
19 version of Cole Stewart. But yeah, I mean, if if he turns into something, great. If not, you didn't give up. A, you know, you didn't give up anything. You only signed him to a, a, a probably small major league contract, um, and really, they're just looking to eat innings at this point because of how uh, bereft their their rotation is of guys that can just go out there and pitch every fifth day. Yeah. Um, even if he comes in with a six point three nine ERA like he did have in twenty nineteen in the major leagues. Granted, in limited action, only nine games, two starts. That would still be better than what David Hess gave them last year. Right. Um, that would be right on par with what Aaron Brooks gave them last year. So, you know, they're they're hoping they can get a, of course, a much better lower ERA and better performance from Cole Stewart than they got than a six point three nine ERA. But if that's all he gives them, that's still pretty much on pace with the other guys. That sadly, unfortunately, I think David Hess showed some flashes early on in the year, but. Um, you know, the, it, it wouldn't no hitter almost. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's it's really a, a buy low candidate that they're getting um, in Cole Stewart, and that's exactly the Mike Elias wheelhouse. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. You know, it's it's again more just getting um, a large number of guys in here um, and let them compete it out, and f- maybe you hit on one or two. That's that's the ideal situation. You know, no one's expecting Cole Stewart to come in to spring training and you know, compete for the opening day starting position. You know, that's that's not what he's being brought in to do. He's being brought in to, like you said, eat innings, make starts, hopefully at the major league level, provide depth, um, give um, Brandon Hyde another option uh, at starting pitcher because there aren't many, like you said, in this system right now outside of basically John Means is the only guy that's established as an everyday, every fifth day type pitcher. Um, and they just need other options coming in through the door, uh, see who can stick and, and maybe produce at least for this season, if not for the longer term. Because like you said, 25, Cole Stewart still has plenty of career left in him if he can maintain some level of success. Um, and this is obviously the Orioles are a, a, de- a destination for anyone who's trying to either restart their career or you know have an opportunity to fight for a major league position. Yeah, well, let's get into it. Who will fill out that 2020 rotation? Because uh, there are a, a lot of names, but very few sure things in that rotation. Obviously, John Means is... At this point, barring a, a huge signing, he's going to be your opening day starter. Yep. And, for, of course, barring injury, he's going to start opening day um, 2020 for the Baltimore Orioles at home at Ori Park Camden Yards. Beyond that, it's Asher Wojciechowski, who Brandon Hyde at winter meetings stopped short of putting him in the rotation. But I think at this point, you can pretty much slot him in. He had an ERA just north of five, which compared to some of his cohorts, that was actually fairly low. Um, they still think that they have a guy who potentially they, – they were pretty pleased with what they got in him. So I think he slides in right now as a starter, definitely, in the rotation. Then you've got the curious case of Alex Cobb, who <laughs> um, we know that he can be a major league starter. You know, it's just a question of health. It, yeah. is, it is just a matter of can he go out there and start every fifth day. At this point, you can slot him into the rotation, but that being said – that's a, a spot that is very much in flux, considering yeah. he is he is really not shown the ability to stay healthy. In any other world where Alex Cobb is healthy and has been pitching, he would be the opening day starter. He'd be yeah. the number one guy just based on track record and longevity of his career. Um, but like you said, I mean, it's just the biggest, ever since he got here, the biggest question has been his health. He cannot pitch a full season. Obviously missed most of, basically all of last season. He made, what, two starts before hitting the IL and then being shut down? Um, so, yeah, it, he's the biggest question mark. 
ideally for the Orioles, and we've touched on this, I think, in uh, previous pods last year, wink, wink, um, that ideally he gets healthy, he returns, he can pitch at a productive level, and then you can maybe flip him at the deadline and become, he becomes a trade piece like we saw with Andrew Kashner this past season go to the Red Sox. Um, you know, he's not a long-term piece for this team, but he needs to be a piece in the short term because otherwise it's he's just holding a roster spot. He's blocking someone from coming up and, and producing or getting their shot at this rotation, um, and he's providing no value to this organization just sitting there injured. Um, and obviously, you know, everyone in that clubhouse, Brandon Hyde and Michael has talked about how much he is meant to this young pitching staff, much like Andrew Kashner before he left. You know, he provides value there. That's not quantifiable, but, you know, he needs to be on the mound. He needs to be pitching every fifth day um, and hopefully become a, a target for other teams looking to add starting pitching depth in late July. Yeah, and I think the Orioles are probably at the point where if you get something out of him, that's great. That, right. You know, but, oh, yeah, yeah. But you like, really like, like Andrew Cashman. I mean, he got two teenage, you know, international players for him that's something you yeah know, it's better than nothing exactly um so you know they're they're probably operating from the perspective of odds are you're probably not going to get much from him on the mound or in the trade at right. this point right right um so beyond those three means wojciechowski and cobb it's just kind of a grab bag in terms of who could fill out the the rest of the rotation there they have the their two guys that they got in the rule five draft brandon bailey and michael rucker I think of those two, um, Brandon Bailey, who is the second overall pick in the Rule 5 draft, is far more likely to fill a rotation spot than Michael Rucker, simply because Rucker was almost entirely a reliever in the minor leagues in uh, 2019. Granted, both these guys have never appeared in a game above AA, but mm-hmm. still, um, I think Brandon Bailey, he has started started 17 games for Corpus Christi in AA last year. I think there's a chance uh, that he could at some point, maybe not to start the year, but he could fill a rotation spot for the O's. Yeah, and that's something like you. Uh, that's something like I. I don't think the Orioles drafted these two guys. Um, talking mostly about Rucker right now, just to throw him in a position to fail. You know, like they would not. I don't think they would draft him, knowing that he's mostly a reliever, and then throw him in the starting rotation from the get go. Be like, hey, you have to be a starter now. Um, if that's something that they foresee him being able to do, that's fine. But it's something that probably has, he has to be eased into. Now with Bailey, he like you said, he has a starting track record, so that's not the, something that's not going to be something new for him. So you can say from day one, you're a starter. We're going to try to make you a starter. Have that mentality. Go after it. Um, and if it doesn't work out, obviously there's there's never going to be a shortage of need of bullpen help for this team this sure. season. <laughs> so he he can maybe work out there. But yeah, these two guys, that's at least an option in in Bailey Rucker, maybe not so much. But also the bullpen needs help as well. So you got basically one of each in the Rule 5 draft, which is obviously what Michael I said their goal was. And, um, yeah, the, the above double A, you know, that's kind of the risk you take when you draft guys out of the Rule 5 draft. Um, but, you know, who, who knows? They could surprise somebody. They can prove to be maybe worth it, worth a couple starts, a couple appearances here and there. Um, it's just, like you said, a grab bag and, you know, give them a shot and see how, see how it pans out. Yeah, and a couple other, you know, names that I think could potentially join the rotation, I think, later on in the season. Um, two guys that were, of course, recently added to the 40-man roster, Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer. Aiken has had more experience at AAA. Um, they, the ERA was not quite there. Yeah. Um, he spent the whole year with AAA. But... Um, Granted, the home run no- uh, 
uh, totals and the offensive production in AAA were way up than they have been in previous years. And that's something that Michael Elias mentions when he talks about Keegan Aiken. Um, you know, it, the fact that he, you know, they, no pitcher's numbers were normal pretty much in AAA yeah. last year. Um, so he is another guy that I think could earn a rotation spot. Look, if he has a great spring training, maybe they'll throw him in that rotation right out of the gate. I think probably they would want to ease him into there. Um, and Dean Kramer, I think, has a little bit, uh, right now, a slightly higher upside than Aiken. Um, so they might want to wait even more with him, especially because he only made four appearances above double A last year. Um, he did not get the full year in triple A like Keegan Aiken did. So yeah. two guys, I think potentially we could see on the rotation in the rotation at some point, but maybe later on in the year, Keegan Aiken, and Dean Kramer. Yeah. And then also with the, with the Aiken too, it's another thing to look at. Like you mentioned, triple A, no one really had good pitching numbers in triple A this past season. Um, but what I like to see when I look at his stat line is the consistency, the, or the durability. He pitched in 30, 25 games, uh, over 110 innings, over 112 innings, actually, excuse me. And then also his strikeout to walk ratio, pretty solid, 131 strikeouts to only 61 walks. That's some good base numbers to see from a starting pitcher. And I just like that he was able to give innings and pitch in a solid amount of games over the course of the season. I mean, the minor league system is shorter than the major league season, obviously. So, 25 appearances, 24 starts over there. That's basically equates to almost 30 starts yeah. in the major league system. So that's what you kind of want to see, the durability, the ability to go in every five days and be available uh, throughout the course of a long season. And that's something that Dean Kramer, though he showed a lot of flashes, kind of struggled with. Yeah, You know, he had an oblique injury in spring training. That kind of inhibited him. When he came back midseason, he struggled a little bit. It wasn't until, um, you know, July, August that he really hit a groove and um, got the call up to AAA. So, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting debate with those two. There are other names, though, I think that, you know, could be thrown out there. At this point last year, we were not talking about John Means. Um, took the words um, right out of my yeah, mouth. Yeah, to be a spot in that rotation, a guy who had never really appeared above AA. It yeah. spent three seasons in Bowie and had not shown a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, we're talking to Rockabaco after pitchers and catchers, and, and he's saying, don't forget about John Means. Yeah. So there are names, I think, that we're not talking about right now that could uh, enter this conversation over the, the next six weeks, and especially once the, the mitts start popping in, in uh, Sarasota. Well, even before that, I remember, you know, once pitchers and catchers reported, and Rockabaco saying, like, wait, who is this guy? Like, I got to look at, you know, John, he's going to yeah. make this team. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you know, scrambling to figure out more about him, because, you know, he's, again, like you say, he's just kind of a name that what well, you heard every once in a while when talking about the minor league system, you know, you thought you would, Steve Molesky would probably know more about him than anyone else because he was always a minors. And then all of a sudden he's making the opening day roster, he's pitching and then boom, he's the runner up AL rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's going to, you know, always keep out for a dark horse. Rocco Baco does that piece every year before spring, spring training. He makes a prediction of who's going to be the dark horse this year. These type of years, these rebuilding years, are always going to be more difficult to kind of predict that because they can come from anywhere. You don't know. There's so much young talent um, to keep track of as camp opens up. Um, and also, you know, there was no mini camp this year, so we didn't really see get to get a chance to see anyone perform down there. Back to Dean Kramer, though, we did see him pitch in the Arizona Fall League, and he kind of flashed there too. So definitely, that's adding some innings there and 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 showing some impressive number or ERA uh, two three seven. So that is a positive sign moving forward, heading into spring training as well. Like you said, he was kind of 
uh, hindered by injuries this year, probably played the decision to go, yeah, get some more innings under you at the Arizona Fall League. Um, but yeah, people who pitchers who could fill this rotation could come from anywhere once spring training opens up, once they report down in Sarasota, uh, like John Means did last year. So it's just kind of keeping an open mind and keeping an eye out for you know, a, a dark horse maybe here or there. And then also don't forget there could be a possible free agent signing. We talk about all the time how the Orioles are a or a destination for players, both young and old, because it's a place to kind of rejuvenate your career. You know, there are a lot of free agent pitchers that have signed on and and, and to competitive teams, but there are guys out there that maybe are looking for to, to restart the career or, or, you know, become that guy on a, on a young roster and a young rotation and then maybe get flipped to the deadline as well. So there's still a lot that, that the rotation is a very gray area. There's still, it's hard to see, like looking in the crystal ball, you can't really see how it's going to shape out. John means for sure is, is your one for sure thing. Again, like you said, barring injury, but other than that, the next four guys, four, six, seven guys are kind of up in the air. Yeah. And I think this year Orioles fans could see more guys that might factor into the future. I yeah. think that's, that's something that, because we all knew you're too big, man. Yeah, we all knew last year watching um, Andrew Kashner out there, he was not going to be a piece of the Orioles going forward. You know, we knew Dan Straley was not going to be a piece of the Orioles going yeah. forward. If we see D- Keegan Aker and Dean Kramer, these are guys that we might see on the Orioles when they are good again. You know, yeah. they, they have that potential. So, and then, you, I mean, as I know it's it's slightly depressing conversation to talk about who's who Brandon Hyde is going to have to just throw out there to start yep. in 2020, but... You look just a little bit down the road, and you see D.L. Hall, you see Grayson Rodriguez in the minor league system. I mean, they they are in a great spot in terms of the farm system pitching depth. We're not, we might not see a whole lot of it in 2020, um, but it is there, and yeah. it is going to come up at some point. I mean, it, it's we're going to see a much different and much better rotation, I think, in 2021, even and 2022 certainly. Yeah, yeah, and then you mentioned Brandon Hyde, and he he makes it no secret; he doesn't shy away from the fact. You know, this year was tough. You know, he ran into some tough situations when it came to who they're going to pitch out. The pitching staff is not great, and he was not shy that this year probably is going to be no different. Yeah, but we're probably like you mentioned, DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. You, year two under Michael Elias, and with all the new things they're implementing throughout the minor league system in terms of sabermetrics, and we saw. These guys make great strides in 2019. Just about everybody. Every everybody. Major, yeah. And it, which is fantastic. So it's not so much in 2020 looking at who's make who's finally making the jump from minors to major leagues. It's going to be who's making those jumps continually through the minor league system. You know, how is DL Hall and Grayson Rodriguez going to adjust to possibly playing in double A this year for the first time? How are they going to react to a higher level batters? How are they going to continue using this information that they're getting from um, the the analytical department, uh, and then use that to turn into establishing their careers and getting closer to the major leagues. Again, twenty twenty is not about you know winning. I mean, they're not going to shy away from winning. They want to win, obviously, but it's not about winning. You know, on the major league roster, I I'm more interested to see. Okay, year two, who is making even more strides in throughout the system, and definitely in terms of pitching. Because you said the pitching staff is as good as it's ever been for this team in, in terms of throughout the minor league farm. Who, who's making strives for 2021, 2022, and becoming part of that rotation down the line? Yeah, and that's something that, look, we didn't see a whole lot of with, uh, you know, in with Dan Duquette as GM. Right. was just, 
you know, they always had the offense. It was just a matter of pitching. And Piecing together the pitching. Yeah. And the, and also, don't forget those years they had such great bullpens, too. So the starting rotation really took a backseat to their, their plan, and they didn't really build uh, starting pitching depth throughout the system because they kind of just piece it together yeah. as they go along because they had the offense and they had a solid bullpen. Exactly. And that's so, no longer the case. I mean, the offense is eh, yeah. probably the best part. You got some guys that can hit the ball pretty well. Um, obviously, some of those pieces are missing uh, coming into 2020. But, you know, they can, they can play a ball. But the pitching, we talked, how many times have we talked about this past season? It's like they were right there, but the pitching kind of let the game get away. Yeah, no, exactly. I think I think the it's interesting because I think where the, the farm system is definitely deeper in terms of pitching talent, it, it does lack some of the position players. But that being said, I think it's interesting that there's, I think there might be more talent on the major league roster in terms of position players than there is in terms of pitching. You know, there. I think that they they discovered some gems there in terms of a Hanser Alberto. They obviously have oh, Trey yeah. Mancini. They have Ryan Mountcastle, who's uh, pushing you know the envelope to try to get to the major leagues in the next year potentially in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, Austin Hayes, Austin Hayes, Renato Nunez, uh, even Rio Ruiz showed some flashes. So they have they have more major. While the pitching staff was um, pretty bad in, in terms of the major league roster. The hitting was actually okay. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing is while the, the minor league system at this point does not have the position players um, that they probably would like to have, they uncovered some gems at the major league level yep. in terms of position players that, who knows, might stick around. Yep. And they're waiting for those pitchers to break through. And then don't forget, I mean, you talk about the minor league depth position players, adding Adley Rutschman, you're going to add yep. a number two overall pick in June. Um, so I... I they're doing everything the right way, the way I would be doing this rehaul. I, I think most fans wanted to see this rehaul. Got to reestablish the pitching depth. Um, they have top guys in terms of position players waiting at the AAA on the fringe of major league level. Um, and then they can kind of reboot that because they're going to have high draft picks and, and a, a large amount of draft picks coming in the next couple of years and try to kind of just build that from the ground up as well and while keeping the pitching, maintaining yeah. the pitching depth where it is that they've built over the past year. Exactly. So, as we have said numerous times, the future is still bright. It's, and, yeah. I, I, I don't know how you're not excited as an Orioles fan. I mean, I know they're going to lose a bunch of games this year at the Major League level. But, st- I mean, think about all the names we just mentioned. I mean, those guys are worth watching. I mean, yeah. and, you know, if you're if not into the minor league system, at least come watch John Means pitch. Again, rookie <laughs> of the year. Watch Trey Mancini hit, you know. Who I would like to think that Trey Mancini is in for the long haul. They're not going to part ways with him, but who knows how many that could change, obviously. So, you know, it's it's. I know overall it's kind of like uh, they're not a very good team, but they're still exciting parts to watch. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, this has not been a boring offseason by any means for the Orioles because of the Rule 5 draft, and you're looking at other guys that could try to break through the major league roster. And also mentioned, Rakubako mentioned on his blog, I think yesterday, is like this is the time of year where the Orioles – really start to heat up and start making moves. They love this time of year leading into spring training, making minor league deals in, with an invite to spring training yeah. with, with some uh, higher level or more noticeable free agent names because this is also when players get a little desperate. Like, I need to know where I'm playing this year. I need to have a job. So I'm going to sign with a team that's going to give me a, a chance to play. Yeah. So it's going to be an exciting couple of months leading into spring training and then obviously see some of these battles, especially the rotation, kind of play out. And as we turn our attention to the future – well, let's turn our attention to the new decade, the brand new decade that is in front of the Orioles, uh, 2020. Let's make some predictions in terms of the Orioles and baseball as a whole. So I've got a few questions here, Bobby, for you. 
Which year will the Orioles return to the playoffs? Ooh. Yes, this is a tough that's one. That's a tough one right off the bat. Uh, that's a big one. Um, it's 2020. Uh, I don't want to jump the gun. I'm going to go 2023. Okay. Three years. Um, I think that's a good guess. I think that kind of fits with their timeline. I think if you had to ask Mike Elias, give him some true serum, I think that's probably what he would say as well. Yeah. Um, I think 2022, if I'm, if I'm going to, I'll jump the gun. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'll say, because you look at what the Astros did, they had three straight hundred loss seasons. Yep. Then they had one 70 win season. So they didn't lose hundred, but they're still the losing season. You could see some building signs. Then they made the playoffs. Yep. So they already have two of the hundred loss seasons under their belt. Yep. Might have a third one. And then they might make that step the next year and the year after that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, that might be jumping the gun because, you know, this was really only the first season that Michael Elias had. Right. So it might be three more. You know, I think it. I think right in that range, twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three. I think maybe if you know, odds are they probably have a a pretty good season twenty twenty two. They might not make the playoffs, uh, but I'll, I'll go on the positive side. I say that's when they make the playoffs. And you know what? To, to be honest, that's not a crazy. I don't think that's that much of a stretch because we've seen some of these other teams like the Astros, Braves, Phillies, uh, even Yankees to an extent do these kind of rebuilds and they get better sooner than people thought they would have gotten. Right. So I don't think 2022 is a stretch by any means. Um, all right, next one. How many playoff appearances with the, will the O's make in the next decade? Now, this is interesting because I think, you know, obviously the next couple of years might be rough for right. Orioles fans. Right. But you look at the model that the Astros built and it was sustained success. Yeah. That is what Michael Elias has talked about. Building a model that will sustain success over a five, maybe even 10-year time period. Yeah. Um, You want to be able to get as many playoff appearances, as many 90-plus win seasons in there as possible so that you can climb the mountaintop one of those seasons. The Astros missed the playoffs the first year after 2015, after they broke through with that young squad. Yep. But since then, three straight playoff appearances, of course, a World Series title and a World Series appearance in 2019. So that's a sustained model. And, And frankly... You know, not that the Orioles are the exact model of the Astros, but similar way. I mean, the Astros are building this. They have a, this incredibly young, talented group that could make the playoffs the next four seasons, potentially. Yeah. They could win their division each of the next four seasons just based on how good and how young that talent is. The Orioles are hoping to do the same. Yep. So how many playoff appearances would you say they make in the next decade? So the Astros started their rebuild already into the 2010s decade. Mm-hmm. So And the Orioles are going into the decade, having a year under their belt. Four appearances for the Astros in 2010s. I'm going to give the Orioles five. That's exactly what I have. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. I think that's... Back um, end, I mean, I said 2023, so back end, yeah. probably. But yeah, I'm going to give them five. But uh, I mean, it's tough because for the Astros, I think their division is a lot easier yeah. than the AL yeah. East. Um, and then you got big players like the Yankees and the Red Sox, the the Rays Jays are always good. The Rays are always really solid. Yeah. Like, and then the Blue Jays, they they just signed uh, Ryu, and you know they're not shying away from being trying to be competitive this year even. Yeah. So it, that division is really tough. It's going to be hard to make five, but I think they can still pull it off. I think so too. I think it's it's still a little bit um, on the positive side, but I think it's it's possible because you, know, you sneak in as a wild card a couple years maybe. Right. It's just getting like it's just, just getting, getting through there. these next couple of years. Yeah, but yeah. Once they break through, I really think there's a chance that Sustained. they're in there. Almost every year, yeah. Um, Much like they were from 
2012 to 2017. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for all the talk about, you know, how tough that division is, the Red Sox had a great decade. In terms, they won multiple World Series. The Yankees um, made a World Series in the past decade, but the Orioles were there, you know, for a bunch of those. Um, you know, they were they had the most wins for five years yeah. in the, of any American League team. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Next up, um, final question for the Orioles: Which Oriole will finish the decade with the highest WAR? Oh. Yeah. So you know, I don't know, Baseball Reference or Fangraphs. And, is, you know, is it a guy that is currently in their organization or is it somebody that they sign as a free agent, somebody that they draft number two overall in this upcoming draft? Who do you think it's going to be? I can't tell if this pick is going to be, like, the obvious pick or if it's kind of a I think a, we know the hot obvious take. pick. You do? I'm going Adley Rutschman. I'm going Adley Rutschman okay, as well. That's, so that's obvious. Yeah. All right, all right. Um, Just because he, he has the highest upside of anybody in-house. Yeah, you know he's going to be here for the majority of this decade. Exactly. Um, I I think the back end would probably be Trey Mancini. Um, yeah, that's a... But that's, again, a caveat, you know, assuming he's here for the most of the decade. Because um, who knows how... I, ideally, I think... I love the comparison that you always make to Ryan Zimmerman and the Nationals. That would be... If I'm Michael Ass, that would be my ideal kind of path with him, hopefully to keep him long-term and like get his some of his best years while they're starting to turn into corner and becoming uh, uh, competitive again. So I'm gonna put him there but you know you just never know and i think for adley you know he's gonna be here for most of the 2020s exactly all right uh turning to baseball as a whole which franchise which team do you think will win the most world series over the next decade oh good question just about i think every decade has had a multiple time world series champ pretty much yeah but no back-to-backs no back-to-backs um since the 90s but of course we saw the giants in the past decade we saw the giants win three we saw red sox win two red sox win two we saw the astros get to two we saw the royals get to two dodgers get to two god dodgers get to two um i think in terms of this it's it's tough to project even two or three years ahead so uh you almost have to look at the most stable and best situated franchises yeah, I'm you know, Orioles fans are going to hate this, but I'm going to go to the New York Yankees. It's a good guess. They um, for a team with such an obviously such a long tradition of winning and success um, to having not made a World Series the past, not even make it to the World Series the past decade. The last one was 2009. I think um, Cashman and and Aaron Boone and company are dead set on winning and winning a lot and winning soon. So I yeah. think they're going to not only reach a handful of World Series, but they're going to win a handful of World Series this next 10 years. Helps to have Garrett Cole under contract for, oh, yeah. what, nine of those 10 years? Yep. What did he sign? Nine-year deal? Is it nine? I don't know. I don't remember. It's $324 million. That's the number I remember. Was it eight? Eight or nine? I don't even know. Strasburg got... Strasburg got seven two forty five. I think he got eight. Or maybe it was nine. I don't know. It's a lot. So, yes, it's Garrett Cole is there for the majority of those years. It's nine. Uh, it's Amy nine. Jennings. Thank you, Amy Jennings. Nine years. Uh, yep. And then, you, obviously, you have the core of... Yeah, the young infielders and Gary Sanchez, and then also Aaron Judge. That's going to suck for Orioles fans if that comes to pass. Mine is going to be the Dodgers. I know having them finally break through. I think I'm going to have them finally break through. I know they have not won. I know they've gotten to the World Series. Um, They got there in 2018 and 2017. Could not break through against um, uh, the American League teams, but they currently have an MVP who is 20, going to be 24 years old. They have Gavin Lux, who's very good. He's going to be 22. Walker Bueller is only 25. So, And they have the third best farm system currently by uh, MLB.com in baseball. So Ooh. they have a 
Uh, they have the money to burn. They have young talent already on the roster, and they have a very good farm system young talent to come um, there as well. So I've got the Dodgers winning. I think they could win multiple yeah. um, during this next decade. All right, next up, which player in baseball will win the most MVPs over the next decade? Ooh, in baseball or one in each league? It's a good question. Whatever you want, Bobby. I'm going to go one in each league. I'm going to go, it's obvious, but I think it's also going to be true, Trout in the American League. Yep. Um, and then in the National League. It's tough. It is tough. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Bellinger. Okay. Yeah. Only 24 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And he coming off winning it this season, correct? And I love Christian Yelich's game, too. It's going to be between those two a lot. Um, hopefully, Yelich can recover and, and be healthy, but I think Bellinger is set up. Because, you know, it comes into, like, it always comes to, like, a team. I think Bellinger is just set up with a better team atmosphere and a winning team, so I think his success is going to match their success as well, and that's why he's going to win MVPs. I think, uh, without doubt, in American League, it's going to be Adley Rutschman. <laughs> Please. Yeah, getting I would love part, that. But, hey, if he can even win one, that would be nice. That would be amazing. Um, Who's the last catcher to win an MVP? Buster Posey? Probably, yeah, I think so. Um, it is tough to do. And he got comparisons to Buster Posey coming out of the draft. Please and thank you. Um, so in terms of the American League, I think Bregman's a great pick just because, you know, he yeah. um, was a candidate this past year. I think he got to go with Trout, though, even though he is 28, going to be 29. I mean, is there there is no better player in baseball right now. And, you know, he has not shown any signs of age as of yet. I know he's in his prime now, but... I mean, he is, he's going to be a stud for at least five years of the next decade. Yeah. So I think he's probably the safest bet in the American League. Other names, Altuve and Judge. Or if uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. breaks out, you know. Yeah, true too. Somebody like that. Who knows where Mookie Betts is going to end up. Yeah. A former MVP. Exactly. Um, and then in the National League, I'm going to go with Juan Soto. Um, only 21 like years well. old. Yeah. Um, I know the defense is not spectacular, but he plays left field. And, and I think his offense, I think we've... We've already seen what he can do at this point at 21. So, um, you know, I think the next decade is going to be very kind to Juan Soto. I think he could win at least one. Acuna is another name to throw in the National League as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. Which pitcher will win the most Cy Youngs over the next decade? This is kind of a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, it's tough. Well, in the American League, I might have to go Cole just because of longevity again, being with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, but pitch and you know, but pitching in the AL East is brutal, man. It um, is. National League, I really like Walker Bueller out in LA. Also, um, oh god, why am I looking at the Cardinals pitcher? The young Flaherty, Flaherty, Flaherty. I, th I like those guys a lot. I think they have chances to win a handful of Cy Youngs. Um, can't ever keep, cancel out Jacob Degrom though. I think Max Scherzer in the National League and Steven Strasburg might always be there, but the long again they're kind of on the later half of their career. I don't know if they'll be able to keep up yeah. in, in a couple of years with some of these young guys breaking through. Um, who else in the American League, man? It's, uh, there's honestly not much. Could in terms Ryu of young be? A, could Ryu be? Because he was an option this year in the he National was. League, but uh, you he's know he's 33, yeah, 34 and, at this point. And how much does his off-speed stuff play in? continue to play uh, yeah he doesn't strike out too much um yeah i can't even think of who are the finalists in the and um uh the uh the Who's rays pitcher uh why am i bringing on his name too he finished like second. charlie morton morton he's a little bit older as well yeah um it's tough it's tough. It tough i think i think a lot of the interestingly enough a lot of the game's best pitchers right now are on the wrong side of 30 verlander verlander cole granky i mean Granky. you know well, pretty much everybody um, the one name that I think for the National League 
to keep an eye on. Um, one of the younger, better pitchers is Mike Soroka. Yeah. Um, for the Braves, I think you get uh, Soroka, Bueller, and um, uh, I just said his name. Cardinals. Oh, <laughs> Flaherty. Flaherty. Those three guys. Are, those guys could probably be your top three guys for the next five, six years. Yeah, probably. I think that's a good guess as well. Um, yeah, and then in, in the American League, I think it's pretty much anybody's guess. I mean, I, I really, really don't is. think I don't think we've seen anybody really break through quite no. yet um, into that conversation. All right, uh, baseball macro macro perspective: Will the NA, NL have a DH in the next decade? No, no, no. I'm gonna go no. I, I there's just too much standstill. I don't see. It's been like it has been like forty years. It's been we, yeah. We've been having this conversation for for forty years now. I I, I don't see what drastic things. Go, no, it's just gonna, this is always just going to be hanging there, and we'll be talking about it till the end of time. No, I think yes. Okay, I think it's going to take till the end of the decade. It wouldn't surprise me, but I'm just going to say yeah. no. No, I think it's I think it it'll take till the very end. Of, I don't think it's happening in the next five years. Yeah. I think it's going to be like a 2029 type thing. Right at the buzzer. Yeah, right, right before the the oh, decade Paul expires. It. Um, so uh, on New Year's Eve on uh, <laughs> 2029, yeah, um, they will get a, a DH. But I think it's I think it's going to happen. I think change comes very slowly in baseball, but I think it's going to happen at some point. Um, Robo umps, will we see them in the next decade? Are you talking about like an actual robot standing behind the catcher? No, I think I think what we saw in the uh, Atlantic League, mm-hmm. even just with a little iPhone, uh, yeah. AirPod, somebody the track man is just telling them something like that. Will we get a a robotic call being made? That I think we will. Um, yeah, I think there's still going to be a person, a human being standing behind there, but I think it will yeah. be kind of almost like a quote unquote. Literally instant replay. Like, it's going to be like, obviously, that second, like, that was a strike. No, that was a ball. Yeah. Because I think we'll still have, it may be like a thing of, we'll still have them calling it, but then, like, here, hey, hey, no, actually, that was a ball. Yeah. Because um, I think that's something that's affecting the game overall. DH, I don't know. I mean, because I don't know how much we're seeing it affect the overall game. Obviously, interleague play is different, but it's, you know, we're still seeing competitive baseball throughout. I think this is something that's affecting every single player in baseball. Uh, that they need to look at um, and, and costing teams games. Yeah, I, don't I think, think the DH is costing anyone games at this point yeah. in a drastic sense. And I think uh, there's a little bit. There seems to be a little bit more momentum for yeah. uh, a robo ump as opposed to DH at this point. But that yeah. could change. Um, last question: In the next decade, will we have a five hundred million dollar player? Yes. Wow. Who is it going to be? <laughs> Adley Rutschman. That's my <laughs> Juan Soto. I think I, that's my guess. Juan Soto or Acuna. No, Acuna already signed. Um, my yeah. guess is a, a Juan Soto. Because he, he'll hit for agency around the middle of the decade, probably, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just the way that this is progressing, that we're seeing these contracts being thrown out, and with no salary cap, there's nothing that's stopping this from reaching that point yep. in the next 10 years. What was, you know, 10 years ago, what was the highest contract, you know, given out in free agency in 2010? I don't. I couldn't tell you, but I'm guessing it wasn't that close to 330 million that Bryce Harper got, 300 whatever million that Mike Chow got, 400 400 million. Yeah. So yeah, I think we're that's. I think that's closer than people think. Yeah, I agree. And and though I think Mike Trout is one of a kind, and he definitely you know like the 426 million dollars. I, I don't think too many other teams are gonna you know too many other players are gonna hit that mark. Yeah. 
but I think we're going to get one that's going to at least one that's going to break through and hit, which is insane. It is insane. Uh, a half a billion, billion dollar player <laughs> yeah, for one guy. For one guy. Um, yeah. But also the thing about that, that might, in a weird sense, tell me if this is crazy, it might be good for baseball because that means that baseball's market overall is growing. Yeah. That, you know, the game is growing. It's more popular. I mean, I don't can't remember a time the baseball had so many like likable superstars at the time. You know, it's more appealing than ever to now that's obviously also due to the high home run and high strikeout rates. You know, people love watching pitchers strike out a bunch. People love hitting watching hitters hit a bunch of home runs. But I think the game has never been more appealing to young fans, and that's going to keep growing. And you have teams like the Nationals winning the World Series. They're a young team winning the World Series. I think that's attractive to young fans, and that will help grow the game and grow baseball's overall revenue um, where they can afford, they meaning you know a, a team, an organization, can afford a $500 player. Yeah. $500 million player. $500. $500. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sold. Yeah. I, I, as as much as Orioles fans probably groaned when the uh, when Garrett Cole signed his $324 million deal with the Yankees, probably good for baseball overall. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, that, that just kind of went to show because – you know, people were talking, oh, you know, is it, is it going to be, is it going to reach the $300 million mark? I think it, it just goes to show how crazy free agency gets in baseball. Yeah. It gets, you know, in other sports, it can get wild in terms of where guys go, but baseball is unique in that it can get insane with the amount of money that is thrown right. out there just because teams bet up against themselves and they go insane. Yeah. And then the other, but the, the counterpoint to that is like, we have more information statistic wise, analytical wise that show kind of how do we value evaluate these players and put right. a price tag on them. But then you still have teams like the Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs that just have fool's gold yep. that will just spend it because they want to win and they need to win. And I'm sure there are better baseball minds than me who are wondering, is there a bubble that's going to burst? You know, right. at some point, is, is it going to reach a point where teams just don't want to or can't or just and everything drops, you know? Um, yeah. So anything could happen in the next decade, yep. but it's yeah. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a fun decade. It is, especially with once the once this Orioles team turns it around and becomes competitive, uh, baseball will be fun again in Baltimore, and that's that's something to look forward to. Exactly. What are your goals for the next decade? Let us know. Um, oh yeah, I thought you were asking me. I was like, oh god, <laughs> <laughs> that's heavy right now. I don't know. Yeah, um, I don't even have that goals is twenty twenty yet. No, exactly. All right. Well, that just about does it for the Mass and All Access podcast. Be sure to rate, subscribe. Follow if you don't do that already. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, listen to it on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Watch us on the Mass and All Access Facebook page. Watch us on the Mass and Orioles YouTube account. Watch us on the Mass and Orioles Twitter account. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. He's Bobby Blanco at Bobby underscore Blanco on Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano on Twitter. My real name is Paul Mancano, so that's easy for you. And we will see you in just about a week to talk more O's and more off season. Thanks for tuning in.